words like knives and swords and weapons that you use against me you have knocked me off my feet again got me feeling like a nothing you with your voice like nails on a chalk welcome back to the veterinary viewfinder this week client experiences does it suck to be a veterinary client you can take me Thanks again for listening to the Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in the veterinary profession. This week we're going to talk about what we do every day, and that is interact with pet parents, clients. How do we treat them? How do they treat us? How can we do better? What are some of the good and bad experiences that we've had with human healthcare providers? Why you gotta be so mean? And what lessons can we learn? I am your host, Dr. Ernie Ward. I'm Dr. Cindy Courtney. And I'm veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. Well, Becky, let's kick this thing off by talking about some of our experiences that haven't gone so well with our own personal health. Right. I mean, it's funny because we're on that flip side of the coin when we're sitting in the paper gown on the paper sheet and we're thinking, this maybe doesn't sound right or I have so many questions or... In general, we're just rating the service and care we're getting from a different perspective because we give it every day as well. Yeah, and Becky, that's a great point right there. You mentioned the word we're rating the service that we're receiving. And that's something I think sometimes we can forget or lose sight of in the veterinary profession. We are being quote unquote rated. We're being judged by every action, every word that we say. So Cindy, you know, obviously you have a, a new child, you know, you maybe have, have family members that have gone to the to hospital. I mean, what have some of your experiences been like when, when you're in the paper gown? Yeah, you know, one thing that as we were preparing for this topic kept coming to mind for me was those moments when I find myself sick during the day or my husband does and we say oh well maybe we can just wait it out and see if it gets better and and I have to stop myself and think no because then we'll end up coming in at the end of the day or once this (laughs) has gotten a lot worse and I have to almost force myself to uh, call right away and get an appointment at my regular doctor uh, early on in the day so it does help me I think be empathetic to realize the kind of logical thoughts that go into some of the things that end up frustrating us customer service wise. Yeah, Becky, go back to you're sitting there in your paper gown on the paper, you know, covered table and so forth. How do you feel or how does it make you feel when you're when you're waiting? So you've you've disrobed and you're now hanging out waiting. How how do you feel? I am so I am so impatient. Let me tell you. I am right. the and then first of all, I'm not even on the table because I'm the person that the doctor has to like be <laughs> like, "Okay, you're going to actually have to get in the examination table now, please." Cuz I'm usually like standing in a corner ready to go. Right. Um so I cuz I don't want to be there and I think to some extent we know veterinary professionals, medical professionals make terrible patients anyway. But the the longer I'm in there waiting, um, obviously I'm getting tense. I'm getting nervous. I'm anticipating. I'm I'm judging the magazines based on the fact that they're terrible choices. Um, who really does read Better Homes and Garden from two years ago anyway, right? right. So I, I just really think there's so many things we could be doing better. Um, and and I'm always having a moment of like I'm glad I'm here and I can learn from my client's perspective. This is what I can take out of this moment. Absolutely. And and another big thing I think I've learned recently, having a newborn with me, 
and waiting for his appointments and just him crying, him being fussy. I, I've developed so much more empathy for those parents that we leave sitting in a room with their kids or with their babies. Uh, that time seems to stretch on forever. Right. And and Cindy, that led me to develop one of the first tools and incentive and, and really, I guess, changes of culture in my practice way back in 1995. And we recognized that wait time created anxiety and stress in our clients. It was difficult, did you say, to manage. You've got a dog, a cat, maybe you have a, a baby in your arms and you're waiting there, anticipating, fearful, you know, what, whatever it is those feelings are, but it's not pleasant. And so we instituted something called your time equals our money. And if you waited more than five minutes for the doctor, then we gave you $5 off that visit that day. These are coupons, and we gave every one of our staff members, you give them out if somebody has to wait. And what it did was, over that first year when we did the Your Time Equals Our Money uh, program, it changed our mindset. So we started now saying, wait a second, we need to be more respectful of our clients. We need to make sure that we have strategies and systems in place that eliminate wait time as much as possible. And of course, there's always going to be these extraordinary circumstances when a, a hit by car walks in the door. But the reality is, are you focused on minimizing weight and optimizing the comfort of the people in your clinic? Yeah, and that sounds so smart, not only because that is more respectful of your client's time, but I know that there's a, a Brocky study that came out as well that showed that when clients don't have to wait as long, those veterinarians are able to to perform better financially as well. So our clients are happier and our veterinarians are happier. Amen. I, I love that from a support staff perspective when I think about that because you're giving your support staff a tool other than I'm really sorry because this is super out of their hands. The veterinarian is running late, whatever the circumstance is, it is certainly not them that can come into the room and perform the service that needs to be done. And they're stuck sort of quote unquote entertaining the client in the meantime and just apologizing profusely. Being able to have a coupon to hand them to say, hey, I'm really sorry, doctor's running behind again today, but that works out for you, here's $5 off. It really does give them something to feel powerful and not just, I'm sorry. Yeah, we always viewed it as like the bomb trying to soothe the wound because we felt bad that they were having to wait. And so, you know, that was just one way to compensate. So all you young pups out there, dig around like the Veterinary Economics DVM 360 website. Go back to the 90s. <laughs> you can find where I, I wrote up these articles and showed you copies of our coupons and so forth. Anyway, I don't know if it applies today in 2017 with the modern millennials, but something to think about. Yeah, and I think also one thing we try and do at our practice is give people options. A lot of times we know we're running behind. And for clients, sometimes the hardest part is just the uncertainty, not knowing how long you're going to be waiting, not not sure when you're finally going to be seen. So if if you know you're really running behind, giving clients the option to drop off, giving them the client the option to reschedule, I think is also something helpful that that some clients appreciate. Well, having to wait is one aspect of being a client or a patient that does suck, but what about some of the other things? I'd like to shift now a little bit towards, you know, just the attitude of the medical staff. So, Cindy, have you encountered a situation where maybe you felt uh, brushed off or dismissed or maybe the, the doctor or nurse just was in a hurry and wasn't that interested in you? Have you, have you had that part of the client experience or patient experience. Oh, absolutely. And probably the, the biggest thing that happened to me was inconsistency between my visits. And I think that's something we really need to pay attention to. I had a doctor that I worked with that visit to visit, you know, there would be one specific plan in place. And then it seemed like the next time I talked with my physician, they didn't even remember what our plan right. had been. 
or that they hadn't consulted their notes. And I had to be the one to remind them, hey, this is what we were planning on doing. So again, I, I think that is a huge piece of a good client service experience in our medical field is making sure your team is on the same page and that from visit to visit, you can show the client that you're uh, remembering what's going on with their pet and you're trying to keep things uh, in a continuum. Yeah, that's so important, that consistency element. I mean, you know, I, I think back, I think it was the second article I ever wrote and published in Veterinary Economics back, you know, almost 25 years ago. And I was talking about this thing, and I call it consistency creates credibility. And what I what I tried to always espouse to my team was that we need to make sure that we know that medical history, as you were just illustrating, that we need to know why they're there and, and, and what they've done and, and who they are, They're a little bit of their story prior to entering that appointment. Because we want to be viewed as credible sources of information, and the easiest way to do that is to be consistent. So every visit sort of has the same flow. Every visit, people are on point, and every visit, you have those same high, high, high standards that you know the client just says, "Wow, these people are the best." That's credibility. I totally agree, and that goes for the nursing side of things as well, and for the nursing staff. And to me, the most annoying question I can be asked, something that will turn a doctor's visit around a complete 180, is why are you here today? Right. Don't right. ask me why I'm here today. I, I want to take all, all of my belongings and get up to leave the second I'm asked that question because it gives the impression that you don't know why I'm there. And, and remember, too, if you're listening today, you know why they're there. Even if you are in a walk-in clinic, somebody walked in and told someone, I'm here because my dog has an ear problem or it needs a vaccine or it's vomiting. Somebody knows. And for you not to transfer that information throughout the team, it's just like Becky said. You kind of get a little bristly. You go, are you kidding me? I already told three people why I'm here. And in most instances, remember, they called, scheduled an appointment. They showed up told somebody and now the doctor's going to be and you are yeah and that doesn't mean that you can't confirm you can repeat back you know my nurse told me x y and z you know are we getting it right what else can you tell me so you can still probe for more information without having to ask that clueless question. I totally exactly. agree with that. And and I do think it is important to confirm. We shouldn't just go marching about because I think we've more than one time grabbed the wrong chart or had that embarrassing moment of like, oh, I'm in the wrong room. I'm so sorry. So I think confirming right. back to our mistakes episode is a good thing. But to confirm in such a way that says, I know why you're here and your concern is important to me. And from my perspective as a client, especially with my pets whose health and um you know comfort i hold even above my own is it sounds like you don't think it's important it doesn't seem important because you don't know why i'm here and i'm really worried because i have my pet here today well another thing that can make it suck being a patient or a client is when you can visibly tell or feel that the team the medical team is in disharmony there's tension there's a fight going on and I'd like to share with you very quickly a story that actually happened to me not too long ago I had to go get some routine stuff for an insurance form so I'm walking into this very busy general practitioner you know he's not my normal physician but I have to go there because the insurance company has some kind of arrangement right so I walk in and instantly you know, the receptionist is like, why are you here? And I'm like, well, I've got this physical for the insurance company. Oh, yeah, I don't do that. And I'm 
I'm kind of like, Laura, my wife and I are going, well, well, who does that? You know, what, what does this mean? So she calls over another lady. And obviously, these two people are not getting along that day. And she's like, these people need to see you. And so you can imagine what happened over the next five minutes. You know, there's a lot of back and forth. You do it. No, it's not my problem, your problem. And we're just standing there kind of baffled. Anyway, we go and wait. And of course, we wait about 15 minutes. And suddenly, they escort us back to the back room. Another nurse or whomever walks in and she's like, and exactly what are you here for? Because I'm really un- unclear on why you're here. Remember, I'm the patient. I'm the one yeah. who's like, I'm here for a physical exam for an insurance form. I don't really get it. You should know this. So yeah. anyway, she goes, well, you know, and she like, says the lady's name. And she goes, well, you know, she's always like that. You know, she never gives us the right information. You know, we don't know what to do. I'm going to have to go check something out. Long story short, it took us about 30 minutes going back and forth just for them to establish why we were there. Do you think I ever want to go back to that physician's office? Heck no. And locally, I have gone around and we've told people about our bad experience. So you need to make sure that if your team is is fighting, if there's disharmony between your front and your back staff, if your doctors aren't getting along, it just may carry over and your clients may feel that. And there's actually some really interesting data on that. There's some studies that were actually done on incivility where they looked at when clients witness that kind of conflict, even if supposedly it's deserved. So say a employee makes a mistake and they get reprimanded by their manager, it has huge implications. It's like clients are 60% or more uh, less likely to ever want to return to that business again. And so, and when we look at the statistics in human nursing, we find that it's over 60% of human nurses, though, have experienced that kind of uh, demeaning or criticism from their doctors. So and I hate to say it, but I suspect those numbers are probably similar in our field as well. Oh, I would totally agree. And, you know, sometimes, and in, in, in we don't mean to do this, but we are we're not sympathetic to how we're saying things. We forget that our words count in that moment. And it's just a distraction. It's not intentional, but we have to remember that words matter. And we should practice a dialogue of how we can offer a correction without creating that environment. And it's your go-to in the back of your head at any given time. Or you make yourself a mental note, take a second before you offer that criticism, who's around and what good will it do to give it in this moment. And I think that applies to to how we interact with our clients too. You know, if we assume that a mistake has been made or maybe a client didn't comply with our instructions because it was a problem with the individual, a lot of times we create conflict versus right. having curiosity and trying to figure out what might have been wrong with the situation and how we can fix the environment to try and to try and support success I, I think is really helpful just the same way we try and patients do positive reinforcement and set the environment up for success this team harmony is such a big deal because what inevitably happens the normal behavioral pattern is you want to tell the world that you're right and that other person was wrong and of course that's what I encountered in that a visit to this physician's office and so you've got to make sure that if you're not all on the same page you need to be working to get there you need to be striving to collaborate to work together as colleagues because if you're in this situation where you're always trying to prove the other team member wrong you make these little little smart snide remarks and it really does impact like Cindy said whether or not they want to come back to you but more importantly, from a doctor's standpoint, their compliance and adherence rate. So it's a big deal. Yeah, and it's also just more fun to have a team that's positive right. and all helping each other out. 
Right. Well, another thing that can suck about being a patient or a client in our case is when there seems to be lack of of transparency for the doctor or the nursing staff. So suddenly they're like just bulldozing over saying your dog needs this test or, you know, I'm going to prescribe this drug. There's no sense of you sharing in the decision making. I mean, Cindy, as a doctor, how do you feel about that? I mean, you know, how do you how do you work hand in hand collaborative with your clients so that they don't feel like, hey, whoa, 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 let's talk about that? Yeah, and actually just today had a friend of mine who has a, a son that has some major medical issues who was able to talk with her uh, nursing team, her son's in the hospital, about you know, what works for him at home. And I always like to say, yes, we're the medical experts, but they're the expert on their individual pet. And we really work best when we all work together because we can take those two pieces of expertise and create a plan that's going to work best for everyone. And when we ignore their expertise about their own pet, their own family, what works for them and what doesn't, we're kind of setting ourselves up for failure and we're setting ourselves up for noncompliance. Yeah. And I'll tell you too, with the shift in generation of pet owners. So now we have more millennial pet owners than we do baby boomers. And my generation, Generation X, I mean, we're just a blip on the radar. But we've got a generation that wants to take their time when making decisions. They want to research the issues involved. They don't want to be forced into a hasty decision. And I think that we're now encountering this tension in the in the veterinary uh, practice and probably in the human medical field as well, where the doctor is like, let's do this test now. And the millennial pet owner's going, wait, I, I'd, I'd really like to, to go home and research that. And the vet then says, oh, you don't like me, you don't believe me, you don't want, you know, so, so Becky, how can we work within those confines of maybe people want to make decisions differently. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. I think it's really, really important. And I love to talk to other paraprofessionals and and support staff about, you know, when a client asks how much something costs, it's not because they don't have the money. It's just because they want to know how much it costs in a lot of cases. Right. So same thing, you know, they may want to go home and do a little research. They might want to consult with friends and families. They aren't, they're just making a hasty decision. And it's not a point for us to judge. And if you're curious about why, why they want more information about that or why they want to wait on that decision, then you should have a conversation with them, a respectful, open conversation about, is there any more information I can provide you to help you feel more comfortable with the plan that we're making? Yeah. And it goes back, you know, I think it was 2001 when I published this article called Prescribe a Website. I know back then that was probably a little too far, you know, for most people, they weren't on the internet like they are today, but I think it's more salient now than ever before. So when you have those young pet owners and they're going, I don't know, you know, I I really need to go home and think about this, whatever, embrace it and then steer them in the right direction. Give them resources, prescribe that website or, or whatever it is to help them make the best decision for their pet. And I think in general, what I really just want to stress so much is number one, look at it from your client's point of view, pay attention to what it looks like to to be them in that moment. And then number two, look at it and say, what have we been doing for 10 years plus? What are the things that have been consistent in this practice for more than 10 years? And then see if they need to be changed. Because what I see so frequently is this old school best ways, this old school practices, benches in the lobby and high reception desks. And, you know, my pet still is taken out of the room to have services and to have testing done, comes back covered in alcohol. There are so many old school ways being done out there that there's a better way to do it that the client and the patient end up more satisfied, that you can examine that within your practice and make sure you're doing the best. Right. 
Absolutely. And we can take advantage of new technologies too. The, the wonderful thing about social media is that it's social and it gives us this opportunity to interact back and forth. When we're talking about giving clients consistent recommendations, when we talk about the length of time it, it takes for them to make a decision, it definitely helps to, as you mentioned, prescribe a website or for them to have already heard the same information multiple times or from different people. So social media is a great way to give them that information. And I also love the role that support team can play in helping provide kind of that that second voice that says, yes, you know, this is the right thing to do for your pet or to describe it in a different way. I totally agree. And I think a lot of times people lean on us for that, hey, is this the best thing or is there another uh, another way? We've talked about it before where we tend to make up our our clients' minds for them and think, oh, they can't afford this or they'll never go ahead and do that. And it's important not to have those conversations. One other thing I think is important is to offer those those materials, yes, have a website, have a link, but also provide written materials. Make sure that whatever information you're yes. telling your client that day is going home in writing and you're providing many different mediums for them to learn about what you're giving them. Not everyone is verbal and we just talk at everyone in our practice so regularly in so many words in moments when they're emotionally high stress. Um, giving them something to go back and resource to, try to find a video and a written document that, that backs up what you're saying, I think is really important. Give them multiple means to learn the information. And I think a lot of our colleagues listening to this today might be thinking to themselves, yeah, I want to provide better client service. I just feel so stressed, so hurried. What advice would you guys give our colleagues about finding the time or making the time to provide great client service? Well, I think the answer begins with your attitude. And so, you know, what I've always stressed with my team, doctors, nurses, and so forth, is to intensely focus on that moment. So being very present. And there's so many distractions in your life. It can be overwhelming. You've got five different cases that you're worried about. and You've got three clients who are complaining in the lobby. But you really do need to develop the ability to intensely focus on what is at hand. And what that focus allows you to do is to actually have better cognitive abilities. I mean, you can now see the case better. You can start to help eliminate cognitive biases. You can actually do a better job with your physical examination. So I know that sounds a little woo-woo-y, but the reality is it's your mindset. The, the other thing I would say is when it comes to that mindset is always tilting towards optimism. I'll repeat that. Always tilt toward optimism. When you enter into a client interaction, you should anticipate that everything is going to go very well. You should anticipate that this client is going to be receptive and willing and interested in what you have to say. And that little subtle mental trick mm -hmm. actually sets you up for success because if you enter into an exam room going, oh my gosh, it's her again. She's always a pain in the butt. Oh, they never do anything that we recommend. Oh, they're not going to spend any money on their dog. I can almost guarantee you failure. And more importantly, I can guarantee that you're going to be frustrated with your professional life. So always try to tilt your thoughts towards optimism. And I, again, I, I know sometimes what I say sounds all wooey-wooey, but it has worked for me and countless hundreds of employees over 25 years. And I'll tell you, if you just start to adapt some of these mental strategies, it changes your outlook. The outcomes become better. I totally agree. And I think you're right. Mindset plays a huge role in how your day goes overall. Getting your team on board with this as well, I think is really important. Making sure everyone understands the importance of the changes that you're making, why you're making them, and the benefit that will happen. 
But in terms of feeling busy and overwhelmed, to answer Dr. Cindy's question, my advice to most support staff or professionals out there is to sort of back chain the results you're looking for. Figure out where it is one area at a time that you want to improve and the steps that it would require it to improve it. Don't bite this huge big ball of wax off at one time and say, okay, we're, we're upheaving all of our client service strategies. Just take it one thing at a time that you want to do better. Listen to your clients. What do they want to have be better? And ask your support staff, what are the main things we could be doing better for our clients? Try to find the thing everyone's excited about and find a way to move forward one thing at a time. Don't be overwhelmed. Dr. Ward, I don't think you're so woo-woo. I think there's some actually good data to support what you're talking about. Micro expressions, right? When we have a certain mental attitude, we know that we have actually different expressions on our face that people read and people interpret. So I, I think... You're spot yeah. on. Yeah, and I've got a, I've got an article coming up about microaggressions by veterinarians, so that's something to look forward to. And, you know, Becky, you bring up a really good point because ergonomics also leads to a lot of frustration, That's that sense of overwhelming, and, and it does lead to inefficiencies. As I've always said, almost all of the issues in your practice can be solved by moving something are buying something. So you need to pay attention to the conversations that are happening in your treatment area. If people are constantly say, we're out of alcohol swabs or where are the 22 gauge needles or, you know, I don't have a butterfly, then you need to either get more or move them. Those simple steps can actually increase efficiency tremendously, at least in my experience, because you need to be that well-oiled machine where everything is just like easy to get and do. You're so right. And I love the idea of, you know, shifting your locus of control and deciding where that really lies. If this one thing is always coming up missing or this one thing seems to be an ongoing problem, chances are it's not your staff. Chances are it's not you. Chances are it's the way it's being done. And there is an improvement to be made. And listen to your clients because the best clients out there will give you that constructive criticism and say, you know, Doc, I love you and I love this practice, but there's this thing. And they can help you do and be better. Well, the final thing that can suck about being a patient or a client, in my opinion, is when things don't go as expected. They don't go the way we had hoped they would. So, Cindy, would you like to speak around that? Like, so, so now you're a patient, you're a client, you, your dog was itching, your vet did whatever to them. You don't quite understand. They gave him a shot and some pills, but he's still itching. How do you deal with that from the vet perspective? Yeah, and I think, um, as we've kind of mentioned before, your, your first response that you want is to, to hear that they care, to hear that right. they care about your pet and they care about you and your feelings. And dealing with emotions and recognizing and validating people's emotions is usually the very first thing I address because until that's dealt with, um, you know, people don't feel heard. And then we can move on and we can uh, fix the actual problem. But I think too often our response is to be defensive and to say, well, I didn't do anything wrong or, you know, I did everything right. I did everything by the book. And that's not necessarily what clients are accusing you of. They just they just want to know that you're going to help take care of them and their pet. I love that idea of, you know, making sure that we double check our responses and make sure that we're not coming at it as a defensive standpoint. One thing I think that can help a lot in these cases, too, is is pre-education setting them up for this may or may not work. Hey, this is the plan for today. If this doesn't work, we've got B and C that we're going to go to. And they already have it in the back of their head that this outcome may or may not happen. Client education, I think, is the most important thing we can do in getting the results that we're looking for, whether it be they return for a recheck, they report if it's not working, whatever it is. But sometimes the client just truly doesn't understand. 
Right. And what makes it suck is how you're met by the professional staff. So if they're like, as Cindy was saying, if they're defensive, if they're not, you know, as I always say, leading with compassion, then you start to feel really, you know, uncomfortable. You don't like this. So if, if a client complains to you, you need to take it respectfully and understand that maybe it's not a personal accusation, you know, even though they may say awful things to us, but really they just are frustrated because their dog is still itching. The ear is still red. The cat is still urinating. I totally agree. And one thing I think is so important to remember is, you know, to play on our episode from last week about imposter syndrome. I think our clients have it too. I know as a dog mom, I worry, is it something I did? Is it something I didn't do? Could I have something done something right. differently? So when they're in there and the treatment is not working, understand that they are not necessarily pointing the fingers at you. They may be really worried that the finger is at them being pointed at themselves. Absolutely. They're embarrassed. They're fearful. You know, all these feelings come up and it's not about us. Someday I'll be living in a big old city and all you're ever gonna be is mean. Well, those are just a few of the things that can make being a patient or a client really suck. But it doesn't have to suck. You know what you can do to improve your practice. You know how to improve the client experience in your veterinary clinic. I hope that some of these tips and discussions have helped you in a little bit, but we want to hear from you. What are the areas that you see most efficient from the human medical profession when it comes to us being patients? And what are the areas that veterinary professionals need to improve upon to make that experience the best possible for the pet parents we love? Let's take advantage of the fact that all of our clinical experiences are unique and you may have, may have learned something that we haven't. So get in touch with us on Facebook at Veterinary Viewfinder or on Twitter at Vet Viewfinder. And also leave us an honest review so we can know what to cover next time. And don't forget to click to subscribe so you don't miss one great episode of the Veterinary Viewfinder. Because being a client doesn't have to suck. Bye. 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 Bye.